0: We few. We happy few. We band of brothers. We want them talking trash to Goliath. We want them building a boat and collecting animals. Everybody thinks they're crazy, and they are. I'm your huckleberry. I just wanna say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody.
1: For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death, And hell followed with him.
2: Can you read, my son? Well, that depends. Can you go for fighting the shade?
1: Repent or perish. You know your places. God be with you all. all Offer all one for one then, I guess.
2: Media, Ale to the king. Welcome back to another episode of Stone Mountain Media. Uh, I'm Dave, or am I? I'm here with Sean and Keith Daryl, the campus preacher. Uh, real quick, Keith, what do you think about Francis Schaeffer's epistemological project?
0: Uh, um, uh, he's a he's a mixed bag. I, I, I love Francis Schaefer. Francis Schaeffer. Uh, the the good thing about Francis Schaeffer. Um, it's been a while since I have read him, so I'm gonna have a half-baked answer. I wasn't ready to talk on Francis Shaper. That's right. Uh, so I, w- I would say this: he's borrowed a lot from he borrowed from Vantill and he borrowed from Gordon Clark. And I would say at points he's a bit more Clarkian in the sense that. Um, he's far more comfortable with like rational deductions. And so for, for Clark, his epistemology, we can only know those things that are rationally deduced from scripture. And so so for Clark, empiricism can't get you any knowledge. Induction never gets you certainty. And so you, it needs to be rationally deduced. Um, whereas, and so you never know anything scientifically. You can have opinions and you can pragmatically do things, but you don't really have what uh, Clark would call knowledge. And so for Schaefer he kind of borrows from him um but he's going to be a bit more open to induction and things like that so i appreciate his projects there's a pragmatic element to it that um he doesn't so so the, the Vantillians would critique him because he doesn't always give you this absolute certainty and um but you know that's kind of a place where I'm comfortable living and he I can't remember what his exact wording would be um and so I'm, I'm failing it right now but it, it, it's it's kind of like um he, he basically would just want to say Christianity answers these things the it answers the epistemological existential and I can't remember what this other criterion is um but he basically says Christianity is satisfying to those things and and whereas all these other things do kind of fall under their own weight so he, he offers up that internal critique like your average, the, kind of that's kind of your main angle. And presup is the deconstruction of the opponent's position. He does that. He wants to take the roof off of somebody else's house. But I think the hard part, like anybody doing epistemology, is developing a positive program. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to be it's easy to be the deconstructionist. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's hard to be the reconstructionist that really says, "Here's how we do it. Here's what it is." And so I think, uh, so yeah, I, I can't think of Schaefer's positive project on that outside of like your broader just assuming we know things. You know what I mean? So and the
2: things you just said would all be reflected in escape from reason.
0: Um, I don't know which one was which. I, read, I remember reading the trilogy, and in there was Escape from Reason. So it should be in that trilogy book, which is everybody should buy and read. Um, the guy who's there, he's there. He's not silent. I think it's Escape from Reason is the other one. And so I don't remember which was in which was where. But if you read those three, you kind of have everything you need from Schaefer. And then he has another little three-page pamphlet um, that is it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it was written in the 50s. And it's kind of that... Um, I, th- I think it's bastardized today, but it's almost like that third way. Like he wanted uh, Labrie to be a place where like grace and truth is basically manifest. You know what I mean? So oftentimes like the, uh, but he kind of set out the polarities of like, oh, we're either truth people, so we're divide with everybody and we're not very loving or we're the loving people who have no truth on it. But what we want to be is the, kind of the, the middle of the road people or the, the ones that yoke those two things. And so, uh, and that was kind of the vision of what he had. And I, and I think from an apologetic standpoint, um, he was probably one of the best to ever do that element of combining grace and truth because he really would take the roof off of people's houses but he'd do it so graciously it wasn't less like you know i, I appreciate bonds and bonds like oh press the antithesis and the harder you were the more you were pressing the antithesis but for schaefer it was like no i'll listen for if we're going to talk for an hour i'm going to listen for 50 minutes ask questions then 10 minutes i'm going to basically lay out so I, I think he was probably one of the Didn't, finest. Uh,
2: wasn't that like a van till more like doesn't van till say something like that but in his context he's like i'm going to let him speak for 50 minutes so that he gives me all the rope I'm going to use to hang him. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so, yeah. And so you're looking for, yeah. And the difference is you're looking for that hang. You're looking for that knockout. So it's just like, you're, so, you're just, and, and so, so this is going to be such a loving, patient, glorious. This is going to be glorious. Okay. I'm so okay. well. Okay, come on, come on, come on. You know what I mean? And so, so it's it's, it's not necessarily there for him per se. But, but, but until we talk about like buying them the next cup of coffee and stuff like that, so yeah. there are there are things where I think he was warm and gracious, and and, uh, and the people downstream for oh, him. you look
2: sad. Let me buy you
0: a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, but it is... I, I I feel like that's the attitude of a lot of presup is a, is like it's not you're just you're just listening for oh when can I find the internal inconsistency and then it's yeah. like pounce you know what I mean as soon uh, as they
2: utter a word
0: <laughs> inconsistent yeah oh we well, can't even predicate without the Christian worldview you know what I mean yeah I so know <laughs> <after that. We're laughs> oh, you're already borrowed from the Christian worldview so um, yeah so so I, I would say that would uh, that would be the place for Schaefer uh, in my head has been and the people I know who know him personally or knew him personally they would just be like no he was he was one of the best evangelists and apologists in that respect so. Very uh, abrupt
2: shift. We had you on today because we want to talk about abortion. Uh-huh. So, a lot of people are making a lot of money directly or indirectly through doing something about abortion, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because even if you know, even if we're talking about abolitionists who are not directly getting money to start this or that charity, uh, they're making names for themselves through what they do through abortion stone mountain media we, we've talked about abortion a lot mm-hmm. as millions as a church <laughs>
0: That's
2: it, yeah. if so I'm on the, I'm on the <laughs> wagon I will I will
1: I will go pro-life
0: here in a second you're a huge <laughs> following yeah.
2: and I'm not even just throwing shade at the pro-life movement which is like a common thing to do I'm, I'm saying everybody yeah. everybody's trying to get something causes, make, causes make money causes yeah. make money and and
0: if you and if you can lean in find something be, I don't care if it's guns pro or con I don't, yeah war pro or con like you, there's, there's always money to be made politically yeah. and people want to throw money at causes it's really
2: the only pure position is pacifism that's <laughs> the only pure <laughs> position. But uh, you know, as a church, a lot of our on the street evangelism is connected to uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. So we're going to Planned Parenthood every week. Um, we've fliered at, at a mall in the same town as the as the abortion clinic with anti-abortion material in a rainbow color uh, yeah. because that's funny. <laughs> and so you were on Twitter uh-huh. talking. Very briefly, you know, it's just in passing, you were reflecting on how you think maybe Christians have gotten it wrong with how we think about engaging the abortion issue. I wanted you to be able to just lay out your position and then have an opportunity to interact with
0: it. Yeah, so, uh, try to make a long story short, I got involved in the pro-life movement in the mid-90s, and it was the beginning of it kind of dying out because uh, Bill Clinton got elected... Uh, So when I was in high school for like 90 to 93, um, the pro-life movement was huge. There's Operation Rescue and I think Operation Save America I think were the two main ones. But Operation Rescue was run by a guy named Randall Terry, a guy I was good friends with in college, um, was heavily involved, good friends with Randall Terry, would go to like his discipleship school and was like, literally, they're, I mean, they had pipes on their arms and they're linking themselves outside of abortion clinics so people can't enter. So they're surrounding buildings being linked together and the cops have to come in and saw the things off and stuff like that. And so it was a pretty radical uh, thing that like shut down the abortion. So I started going with them, but Bill Clinton passed a thing called the FACE. Um, I just remember it being called FACE. I don't remember all the details, but I don't think you're allowed within 100 yards of an abortion clinic. So basically the minute you're within 100 yards of an abortion clinic, um, I think that's what it was. Like it was basically, like, the police can kind of stop it, and so it was kind of it's kind of just put put to death the pro life movie because instead of like linking themselves up and all that sort of stuff, it started to die out. So anyway, I'm going to these uh, abortion clinics in Dayton, Ohio. I went to school in Oxford, Ohio, it was about 30, 40 minutes from Dayton. And um, as we go, you're you know here we are, you know, I guess we're hundred yards away. We're in an alley, and so I felt like we were closer than hundred yards. So I don't, may I'm getting some of the details wrong, but anyway, I just remember kind of being look at the building people going in there and like you know us trying to like persuade them not to do it and we're just thinking like they're killing people in there i was like and i remember so there and there was a group of us and I, after after a few weeks it's kind of like why don't we come back here and blow the place up? And they're like, oh, you're not coming back anymore. <laughs> they're Like, yeah, you're not, you're not welcome to join us anymore. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, you guys aren't, I mean, it's Hitler's office. You know I mean? So in my head, my rhetoric was, oh, this is Hitler's office. These are people being killed. If my neighbor was killing people, what would I do? I would take action. And, um, and here we are though, saying that we're, we're losing 1.2 million people, babies a year, and we're not willing to take action. Do we really believe that these babies are being murdered or is it just kind of like, political rhetoric that kind of like keeps a hot button issue uh we're able to like lobby for candidates and and I do think there are people who just bastardize it to you full tilt use it for like no I did I mean, it's kind of like Jesse Jackson needs racism you know what I mean his business if it goes away he's like ah oh, shit I, I mean that's my product you know what I mean yeah. it's kind of kind of like the blacksmith when the when the horse and buggy went out he's like come on Henry Ford you know what I mean so so I, I think like people like Jesse Jackson they need racism it's it's their livelihood and it's big money you know what I mean yeah. so that was that was kind of a little bit of my background, and then so I, I started to pull out of the pro life movement around that point because it was kind of like I was kind of like ah, it's either we lean in or or we need to reassess like how we're addressing uh, this issue, and so and then and there was probably, and this is where like I, I think that where it started to diverge a bit was sometime around uh, there were two things I was preaching in the early two thousands and my rhetoric on campus. So I started Opener Preaching in 2000. I'm preaching at the University of Missouri. And at that time, there must have been a couple of abortion killings, like they killed the abortion doctor um, in the late 90s, and there may have been one in the early 2000s. And I remember, because I remember being on campus and the students asking me about, do, you, do I think it's all right to kill an abortion doctor? And uh, it was the first time I said something like this, but I remember my response being like, uh, you know what, I'm pro-choice on that issue. I wouldn't do it personally, but I don't like to tell anyone else what to do. Because that was all the abortion rhetoric. They'd be like, right. oh, I would never have an abortion, but I don't like to tell anyone else what to do sort of thing. So I was just like, oh, I'm pro-choice on the issue. You know what I mean? I wouldn't do it personally, but I like to tell – and they're all, like, losing their minds. I was like, that's kind of funny. And uh, and so so when, and that issue never comes up anymore. But then uh, over time um, – I, it kind of came to this realization, and the, the I may have told you the story before, but I was actually at uh, preaching in Southern California. I think it was UCSD, uh, University of California at San Diego, and um, there were these uh, there was a pro life group that had like their abortion banner and sign like 100 yards away. We're preaching, and so they have their banners up with aborted babies, and across from them were a bunch of uh, women, and some of them were topless with my body, my choice, and all this sort of stuff. And they come down and they start protesting us. You're while telling me all I have to do is go to a campus with an abortion sign, <laughs> and you might you yeah. might. Topless yeah. women will surround me? Yeah, you might get surrounded by topless women. That yeah. sounds terrible. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you might have a bunch of topless 18 to 22-year-olds around you with their bodies being painted. And uh, and so uh, as I'm... Uh, hey,
2: when, when Sean became a cop initially, he got a call when he had a field training officer, like basically like a supervisor grading him on everything he does. They get a call, like a naked ladies in the park. <laughs> and and the officer looks at him and he's like, it's never the ones you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's either, yeah. Do I have to touch <laughs> it? Yeah. Put the gloves on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, I can imagine. And I remember, so they came out and started protesting us. And I, um, one of them said to, uh, we kept bringing up abortion, and I, I this truly was my answer I was like, look, I'm not out here to talk about abortion. Like, I'm uh, if you're not worshiping the God of life, um, you're gonna you're gonna kill your children. I, like, I, I think the, the the primary issue out here today is worship, and if you're not worshiping God, the fruit of that is death. And so, kind of like this whole like. Eve was to be the mother of all living and now she's murdering her babies. You know what I mean? So it's a total inversion of creation and and, um, and it's satanic and I think it's uh, Peter Kreeft, uh, he talked about how abortion is the antichrist of uh, the redemption of Christ because Christ lays down his life, says this is my body which is broken for you and the abortionist says this is my body, I'll do with it what I want. So it's kind of an antichrist thing. So I think it's satanic. I think it's wicked. Um, but as I was talking to these girls and they kept bringing up abortion, I made the comment, I was like, look, the way I look at it i was like i don't spend much time on abortion because the way i look at it if your children are going to turn out like you just go ahead and kill them now just go ahead and kill them now and they're like what you 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 effing nazi i said you're the one killing your kids and and they're just like fortunately most people there laughed they understood the rhetoric of like leaning in just be like no go absolutely just kill them it's it's good it's for the i like dave Chappelle. i like dave Chappelle. (laughs) and so i was just like just just go for it just just Mm -hmm. absolutely do it and um so as I, I began to think about it more, um, you know, I am, I, I think it's murder. I think it's bad. But as I looked at even, like, at Israel in the Old Testament, I kind of drew the conclusion that Israel ought not to be offering up ch- child sacrifices, but they're not running after the Moloch worshipers and being like, please don't offer up your children to Moloch. Uh, now, in Israel, they were not to do it. Um, but They were yeah, running them out of town. Uh, yeah, and, and they should have, and Israel should have, yeah. And so in the context of Israel, but they were not going over to, the, uh, you know, Wherever the sure. Molochites would have been, and be like, "Hey, Molochites, uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. here's why we're pro-life. You know what I mean? We share, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, human rights sort of thing." Sure. Um, and so, uh, so from from where I began to sit, I think we spent a lot of time on this issue that I don't think. Has we've made much headway um, from you know when I was involved 25 years ago no. until now I don't think anything's changed I think it's uh, I don't think it's really on anybody's radar much you know what I mean like uh, in the 90s it was huge like it was just on the radar all the time I, I feel like you have some people here, and much of it I see as kind of like internal fighting it's AHA people going after church people saying oh you're not doing enough or whatever it is and I don't know how much success is really being made on the ground because it is it's way off my radar at this point but so my, my basic position became like kind of pacifistic on it like it, it, it's a small blessing to the world that we have 60 million or whatever the exact number is less millennials gen z's or gen Xers uh running around the world with their communism and all that sort of stuff and so and even there was that book um Freakonomics, where they talk about the crime rates even dropping because of uh, obviously the murder is preventing the crime rate because they're largely birthed into environments that are producing criminals, um, and so it was, it was kind of just became a pragmatic thing that like it's the wicked cutting off their seed, and so I wasn't too concerned with the Egyptians killing their children or Malik killing their children. So I think it's wicked. I think it's wrong. I'll call them to repentance, um, but I kind of I kind of reached a conclusion like I'm not gonna immerse myself in that space. What do you think about that, Sean?
1: Uh. It seems like an interesting moral judgment in terms of, like, kind of not our call to make in terms of where I'd want to, you know, if you saw someone getting murdered on the street, for example, you're not going to be wondering too much about that person's moral character in mm-hmm. terms of your willingness to step in to see justice mm-hmm. for that individual. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be a first a first thought. Recognizing there's... There's biblical precedent for uh, rejoicing at the death of the wicked. Um, Psalm 137 is pretty clear about that. Uh, but I think having it in the land uh, it is a curse upon the land. Mm-hmm. I don't want a curse upon our land. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a symptom, right? Like you said, it's fundamentally it's a worship problem. So we have it. Not a lot is necessarily solved by legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's still going to be that same worship problem. So if I think if it's only legislation that's a problem, um, which is one of the reasons I want to preach the gospel out there. But I think there could be pragmatic, you know, s- somebody can make pragmatic arguments even about, you know, s- campus preaching. Mm-hmm. And it'd be similar, but you're saying, well, the gospel's going to do its work. So if we're going out there with a message like the gospel, I think there's just an objective thing happening there. Mm-hmm. Um so that would
0: be some first thoughts. Yeah, and so I, I think the difference for me contextually would be um, you have a, you know if you're an Israelite going back to the kind of and it's not a perfect analogy. If yeah. you have an Israelite, a guy being assaulted in the street as an Israelite, you intervene, and then you recognize a broader culture thing of here are the people offering up the children of Moloch. And so I do think it's fundamentally uh, it's a it's a fundamentally worshipful. You yeah. know what I mean? To them, I think it's I do think it's a fundamentally satanic enterprise, yeah. and it is false worship. And so there now, and so yeah, so there's I guess in my head there's a distinction between the us walking down the street here, some guy starts to get assaulted, so we intervene, mm-hmm. uh, opposed to, here's our cultural narrative of we're offering up our children as sacrifices. Um, yeah. And we are not to do that. And Israel's rebuked uh, for doing it. And Jeremiah, you know, he even says something to the effect of, you know, you're doing things that haven't even come into my mind. You're offering up your children yeah. as sacrifices. Um, so, yeah, so I'm definitely in the context that it's wicked. Um but, um, yeah, but I, I, I feel like the context broadly, um, going back to who I was in the 90s, where I'm kind of like, hey, let's blow the place up. Let's, uh-huh. I, And I was open to, like, I, would, I, don't, I don't know if I would have had the balls to kill an abortion doctor, but I, didn't, I definitely didn't blink when it happened. I was just like, good, you know what I mean? Right. So, And even to this yeah, day, if someone bumped
1: off one, I don't think I would yeah, flinch. Yeah, I don't have so, a big moral problem with it. I think strategically it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because, uh-huh. like, you see those one-offs and it's like, good job, like, what's accomplished? Uh-huh. Like the next guy in line steps up. Uh, but I think part of that is because you don't have any... You don't have any of the cultural backing; mm-hmm. it's, it's all on the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's these one-offs that really accomplish. You were all nothing. doing, and it, it would do something. Well, it, yeah, it, if, if, if it happened to ten of them, they'd they start to, quite, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like if, if you had like a
0: little lot of jihadis that are willing right. to be like, all right, I'm. You know, the three of us be like, Hey, let's go do it. And, you know, we get eight of them in a day while we run away. Like, I think it would make everybody pause. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but so, yeah, and so it's because, yeah, so it kind of became a combination of strategy and also the pragmatic. And obviously, it's yep. a utilitarian ethic as a Christian. I'm not totally signing off on utilitarianism. Uh-huh. Um, but it is one of those things that as I look at our culture, um, but yeah, it was, uh, like maybe it was just hardened. Maybe it's just one of those things where I became hardened. But it was like, Yeah, I was just kind of reaching point when I like, Maybe it's a blessing that we we have you know, whatever I don't know the number anymore fifty million less less of these people that are just broadly like you look at the chaos that is culturally coming down the pike. Uh, it's like maybe it's a blessing we have sixty million less. So,
2: so I think uh, in one way uh, I'm I'm apt to agree with the blessing line of thinking, right? Because they're disempowering themselves even as they own the institutions. Uh, we still own the bedroom. And it's probably the one thing that at the present keeps us in the game. I mean, we've, we've lost apart from this one element. Mm-hmm. And so what happens with that? Nothing in, the, in a five-year plan. So if they, can, if they can consummate the revolution in five years, ten years, okay, we're out of luck. If they don't get it done in the next 30 years, all right, maybe that's interesting. And, and part of that is because they kill themselves. hmm uh, on the on the curse side of things, so you know if if uh, if guys are out in the wilderness or in the land of Amalek, killing their kids, you, you have no biblical precedent to say these guys because of that Israelites because of that sin are are going over there and and killing them. Uh, but if it was to be done in the land, mm-hmm. then then they are responsible to do something and it would be more violent than what's m- normally done here you got all these churches who, who say that they find it abhorrent when anybody uses violence and i'm like yeah by what standard there <laughs> yeah, you go like good gravy it's
0: just trying to trigger me at this point
2: <laughs> by what standard are you gonna tell me i can't go you know murk an abortionist and blow up a building but uh so All, all the assumed caveats, right? If we're looking at America as Israel, Mm -hmm. uh, minus all the Jewishness, (laughs) right? But if we, so if we're looking at America as Israel, at a minimum, as a country that was established with a covenantal understanding of its relationship with Christ.
0: If we're, if yeah, if we grant that, okay. Yep. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm there, but okay.
2: Well, um, King George making peace with 13 colonies in the Trinitarian name.
0: And then them giving them the middle finger and throwing off the yoke of uh, King George. So so they... No, no, no. Um, uh,
2: signing the peace treaty. Okay. Right. So now, um, I, I think pretty quickly, I think the Constitution is itself an evidence of judgment against us. But... Uh, will you grant me that the nation... Um, because of its origin, uh, because of the fathers who founded—I'm not even talking about the founding fathers, but like the men that came from England, from Europe, and built up the
0: colonies—has
2: mm-hmm. some kind of covenantal responsibility to Christ more than just your average pagan nation.
0: Yeah, and yeah, because—and we're definitely, yeah, that's a—I think we do. I mean we got Bibles everywhere. You know, we, we got yeah. churches everywhere, like literally corner of the corner. Uh, even in this town of, uh, I think we're 25,000 people. I could probably name 15 churches that are here. Uh, how many are like gospel Bible believing churches? But sure. Uh, but uh, you go up to new England and I mean, it did the, every town abounds. It was like every town that they built, the center of the town was the church. You know what I mean? So you have this yeah. beautiful white steeple. And now you have some queer running it. Sheila, who's pansexual or whatever it is and, uh, ha- has their pronouns and, and uh, Reverend Sheila, he, her, whatever, uh, has both going on you can't really hold that against sheila
2: because sheila's parents named her Sheila. yeah
0: like (laughs) what in the world and uh but it is it's always some uh some woman that is uh pastoring these churches so uh, there i do think there is and and here and i don't know how this practically plays out because i'm covenantal um i don't know how judgments on nations play out today you know what i mean like it's i think it's pretty clear to certain on a certain level of deuteronomy 28 29 regarding um What's going to happen to Israel? And those things came upon Jerusalem in eighty seventy. You know what I mean? Like, you, and you kind of see that in their history with Babylon yeah. and all that sort of jazz. So, um, but I'm not sure how that practically plays out in uh,
2: when people at, observe that the nations prior to Israel in the promised land got kicked out, out for yeah, the same, and
0: they got vomited out of the land. And so, don't do these things. This is the land pushing yeah. out. So it included. You know, murdering babies and sodomy. So, and yeah, the whole list. On like, dogs. You don't don't be like yeah, don't be like the nation. And we have all that stuff in our culture now. And right. so, so it is one of those things. And, and I, yeah, I don't know how it practically plays out, but you look at you look at our. I mean, we're being. I mean, like, and this is gonna sound overly racial, but white people are being vomited out of the land. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it really is. Like, like those people who showed up originally, or are We're like, kind of an
2: overly racial podcast, so it's, it's
0: okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah the, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think the demographic shift plays a role in that. I think the demographic shift in Europe plays a role in that. Um, and that, I mean, 9-11 kind of being a watershed moment of like, here you have this foreign god coming in and just... And then next thing you know, they well, get... I,
2: unless it was the CIA, then it was
0: just us doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was just us doing it for the CIA. It could have been the CIA. Uh, taking the normal narrative, um, I'll say that, yeah, you have a foreign god, Allah, coming in and, you know, destroying, taking a shot at the economic system and all yeah. that and, And then what happens over the next 15 years was complete chaos has ensued. Like everything's been turned on its head and we have the total deconstruction of creation. Kind of like I mentioned, like Eve is to be the mother of all living and now she's murdering her children. Now we got gay marriage, um, opposed to like, uh, you know, a normal marriage. We we have, we have the overturn of, um, uh, you know, no fault divorce. Straights don't want to get married. Um, gays want to get married. Uh, you know, men don't want to work. Women don't want to be in the home. You know what I mean? Everything, the whole creation narrative has been overturned. Women want to be strong and independent opposed to the helpmate of their husband. So so the whole creation uh, in our culture has been completely turned on its head. And so I think we deserve to be vomited out. Um, yeah. I, I think we, we deserve to be judged. Uh, but at the same time, I love the land. I love the people. Uh, and so I don't want to be. Uh, and so with those things
2: held together, would you say it's reasonable reasonable to conclude that what we're experiencing right now is divine judgment? That uh, we we can both own the fact that we deserve it. In owning the fact that we deserve it, ask God for mercy, and then do all that we can do, however far that extends, to press against those things that most require judgment, including. Um, so, uh, if that guy, you know, the other day a guy told me exactly the size of his child that he killed, you know, mm-hmm. and if there weren't cameras around. You know what I mean? Like, he definitely wasn't a black belt in jiu You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You'll be surprised. Some I mean, of these guys will shock you. <laughs> yeah, not this guy. Not this guy. Maybe, like, cooking meth in a trailer or something. Next thing you know, you're tapping. <laughs> well, not, not in Idaho, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm more than willing You'd be dirty. Anyway, this guy's telling me how, how big his uh, baby is that he kills. And, and I don't care if the Lord cuts off his seed. Mm-hmm. Right? I hate that guy. Mm-hmm. Right? But, uh... To the degree to which I am part of, you know, the people. So it's not about him specifically, not him personally. Mm -hmm. Just the people that I I belong to. Here's this thing being done that is going to bring judgment on me and my children and their children. Uh, It doesn't it make sense to very proactively go against that uh, out of love of the nation. And then with that understanding that, yes, we've apostatized, but the answer to apostasy is repentance mm-hmm. in the areas in which we've apostatized.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the, the difficulty on it, in my mind, playing out of, yeah, how do we go about addressing this? You know I mean? yeah. So I think we agree that, like, you know, I would love for it to be eradicated from the land tomorrow. You yeah. I mean? um, but here we are. We're that's just... not what the title
2: of this podcast is going to be. Keith Camps preacher
0: hates babies once they're dead. Um, but I would like, yeah, so, so I'd like to see it eradicated. Um, but, yeah, when you look at the... I feel like the broader pro-life movement was, I'm speaking, I'm painting with a very broad brush. Um, in my 25 years from first doing anything involved with the pro-life movement until now, I think it's been radically unsuccessful. It just had like, so it's, it's one of those things that at the, at the very least stepping back and being like strategically how many millions of dollars and it does, it, like you said, it, it's a big money thing. Yeah. Um, how many millions of dollars have gone into pro-life movement? How many, how many, you know, billions probably at this point of dollars have been pumped into this thing. Um, and what, genuine success do we have to show for it? And I'm not one of these AHA people that like, you know, unless we get this absolutism, we, we haven't done anything. But I, I think we've mm-hmm. had minimal success for the amount of uh resource. So I I part of part of me wants to step back and like uh re-evaluate like uh what what it is uh what it is that we're doing um and how do we go about addressing this and and so I don't I don't have an answer. I just kind of I've just kind of thrown my hands up on the aspect of being like this is this is absolutely bad. I'm not a constructionist. I'm just a deconstructionist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, and that's, that's, yeah, and that's yeah, that's it's it's easy to play that game. I think it's much easier to deconstruct than it is to reconstruct. And so, how do I go about addressing the? Uh, Pro life thing and turning people to worship. And I've, I think of even being on campus, like, I, like you know, I assume churches will step up, but I offer up, like, look, if you're 18, 20 years old, I, I understand I understand why a woman, like, if you're a 20 year old woman, you get knocked up in college and you think your life's ruined and your culture accepts you killing your child, you're just like, oh, I can make this go away. And I think it can even be fuzzy in your head. I think your conscience ends up bearing witness that you murdered your baby, but I think it can even be fuzzy in your head uh, amidst the stress and duress and all, and like, people are like, no, go ahead and do it. And and so. Women are emotional beings. They don't think that <laughs> Yeah, women don't think click at all. I think that's, I think that's what we learned in the fall. I think that's, I think that's what, I think that's a, a proper exegesis of the text is when we don't think of it. And so what we want, but what we want to do, uh, so anyway, uh, I offer up, it's like, no, like, I don't know who the person is going to be, but if I'm preaching down in Boise, I'm and like, I'm assuming I'm going to be able to point her to you guys. You guys are going to economically take care of her and right. help her out. Yeah. You got it do, dog. Yeah. Do the things that need to be done. And I'm We're compassionate, uh, capitalist. <laughs> yeah, and Calvinist. Um, and so you know, so, so yeah, from a strategic standpoint, I don't know what the alternative is, I just think all this pining over that issue has not achieved anything in a quarter of a century that I've looked at it, uh, or achieved very
2: minimal. So, we're, uh, without requiring a lot of money, because a, a lot of good work doesn't require a lot of money, uh, we're addressing some of the legislative side of things locally. Mm-hmm. In, in our town, there is no clinic. It's a growing area, and it would just kind of make sense that if... Planned Parenthood does build in the area they build in their town. So we're trying to get ahead of that. And and honestly, for me, really just give a big middle finger to Planned Parenthood is, is my main goal with that. Right? <laughs> it's easier to give a middle finger when there's not already a Planned Parenthood in town. Mm-hmm. But then, apart from that, the bread and butter is going out on the kill day with signs calling out. If I'm looking at that as being in the same category as street preaching or... Um, you know, street evangelism, campus preaching, do you think that's a fair categorization or am I miscategorizing
0: it? No, I, th- I think it's fair. I, th- I totally think it's fair to go and do that sort of stuff. I, and I, I guess even part of my reactionary element is, and, you know, my nature is to be contrarian. So when I bump into adamant pro-life people, I'm kind of, I kind of want to poke their move. You know what I mean? And I, I'm over, and I will also say this. So, so there's a couple things that drive me and this is part of why I do the rhetoric that I do or whatever is when, when I see someone, so if, this is a little bit tangential, but I get a phone call from a guy the other day who thinks like the issue in the American church that would change abortion, everything, is if we just stopped allowing remarriage. Like that's that's the like the church has utterly nice. failed because we've allowed remarriage and, and if we just stop that then everything gets fixed magically you know what I mean it's just like everything is downstream from that one issue and the minute the church allows one person to be remarried we're committing adultery and so and so there's oftentimes times like I feel like there's oftentimes pro-life people like anytime and I'm also suspicious even like this guy called me like you're so into this one. It, what's really driving you? And so it's like years ago when Ted Haggard, you know who he is down in. He was a president of the National Evangelical Association, and there was this movie called. I don't James, even know what that is. Oh, basically a bunch of evangelicals are part of it. It's, it's very. It's almost like gospel coalition, but for national oh, churches. Uh, along those lines, but for very broad evangelical churches. But anyway, Ted Haggard was the president, and he was a guy opposing gay marriage down in uh, Colorado. No, and, uh, well, okay. and so. Yeah. But here's the thing. So I'm watching this movie called Jesus Camp, which was this expose. They thought. Of of like these, it was almost like they presented people in Middle America as like the American Taliban. They want to make America the- theocracy, and yeah, George dude. Bush was going to be the guy who's going to bring about. So I'm watching this New thing in New York Order. City. Watch this thing in New York City where they're just like, and like they're chomping at the bit, like, oh my goodness, the American Taliban is here, and George Bush is their Messiah. So they hated Bush, all these sorts of things. But anyway, well, I'm watching this movie as part of the Tribeca Film Festival, and Ted Haggard, they do an interview with him, and he's preaching, he's doing all this stuff, and he looks at the camera, and goes, I know what you did last night. I'm going to tell your wife for something And my girlfriend, this girl I was dating at the time, we left, and I was like. We're like he's guilty. Like, what sin is he committing? Like, that's a guilty man's conscience. And then, like six months later, he came out as getting these gay rubdowns. You know what I mean? So he's taking meth, getting gay rubdowns while he's opposing gay marriage. My muscles are sore. <laughs> and so, so, I'm on my feet a lot. So, so in my head, and this isn't necessarily universe true, but even coming out of seminary, seeing guys who have I'm committed, who who have committed adultery and things like that, they often get involved in BLM, and so they often devote themselves to these causes. So I think when people devote themselves, so. I'm not referring to you guys particularly but oftentimes when I see people get involved in causes <laughs> because I, I think you guys are doing more than just pro-life stuff um, when I see people like you throw themselves into one thing like that I'm always suspicious of like what's really driving you it's almost like sure. a public atonement thing and watching enough people even like cuomo like all of his bluster and then here he is harassing women you know what he's i mean he's not like, a pervert he's just italian he's just italian and so you you have all the anyway so that's how i'm sizing people up. and i even think that when i look at AHA people who come at me i'm just like there's other things driving you like it's a weird so anyway i'm taking that i'm taking what i see as largely been an unsuccessful endeavor by the church even We're, we've lost a culture even from a communication standpoint, we're not getting anywhere with it. Not not, not that that becomes the the pragmatic standard that, oh, well, you know, we've been opposing this thing, like, you know, and we got to, like... They always want to critique like, oh, we, we've treated the homosexuals wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and that's yeah. kind of the current left wing of evangelicalism critique of us. So I don't want to just fall into that place, but I, 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 I've been looking at it just, just from a very broad terms, just thinking we, we we are not successful at all on this front. And I think we need to re- evaluate how we go about it. And part of just saying, oh, I think it's a blessing that you guys are killing your children. And then next thing you're able to have some other discussions about it.
2: If, uh, if being at Planned Parenthood and calling out preaching – is fairly categorized with uh, with campus preaching. Do you think the lack of violence in the face of murder mill would be similar to you wearing like a tube top and a miniskirt while you're preaching on campus, like at SDSU? Like, does it disempower my preaching?
0: Oh, I, by not by not being violent. Yeah.
2: No. In your assessment. I don't. I don't think so. Do you think it would disempower your preaching if you were in a tube top and a miniskirt? Uh,
0: well, yeah, because I'd be sinning. <laughs> I'd be sinning if I was in a tube top and a miniskirt. I don't think you're. Do sinning. You know what I'm asking though. I don't like, know. It's the lack. So
2: if it is what we say it is, uh-huh. right? And so you're pointing out like it's kind of silly that people want to pretend that violence is port. Mm-hmm. right? Is the lack of violence uh, almost does it make the preaching an absurdity, like? Fundamentally, is the guy going to hear me as, yeah, no, look at this idiot, he doesn't actually believe.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think, no. I, I. Even going back to me, me being a pacifist at times, or for the most part on campus, uh, the times that I have been pacifist on campus have been far more fruitful than times I think I've lashed out, pushed back, and things like that. So I think there is something to our ethic that we lay down our lives for our enemies. Christ, I was his enemy, he laid down his life for me and he didn't come and just take it. Now obviously we think he'll come again and all that sort of stuff. But so I think I think there's I think it's part of a proper Christian ethic that we are not revolutionaries. You know what I mean? So I, I, and it's a thing even going back to the Civil War like we're not revolutionaries. So we're not Promoting a war to throw over uh, slavery, we're not into war throwing over abortion. We're not into uh, war to do these things. So and this guy's from Ohio saying this stuff. And, and so my guy. My I'm guy. not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a revolutionary. You know what I mean? My revolution is I show up on campus, I preach the gospel, I sow seeds. I, I might love get a tech- revolution. I, I might, yeah. And we do, and the, I think the natural man loves it, and we think that, and we think things if we can just fix the system. That's why everything's systemic. We need to overthrow the system, and we always think that if we can just get there, but that just replaces it with a new oppressive system because the, 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 the remedy is, is obviously the Messiah and his kingdom and, and I'm all for uh, addressing systems um, but revolutionaries can't do that um, uh, the gospel can and we get there in the simplicity of sowing seeds and over time wheats and tares growing up together um, and so, and, and the frustrating thing with the kingdom of God is it, it's just the little leaven that works through the dough and we want this instantaneous be it our sanctification someone becomes a believer boom be instant overnight be perfect uh, we expect uh, to, to be able to sanctify the social order as well I'm just like, guys, we're just not revolutionaries. We we have this mundane thing of a dead Jew that was resurrected on the third day and we conquered the Roman Empire for three centuries. Like, that's what it took of a bunch of people laying down their lives and being beaten and everything else. And so that's why I think we conquer America. I think we will conquer it. I think we should conquer it. Uh, but we do it by washing Judas's feet um, and... You know, doing doing those sorts of things, and so I'm all and for disinvolving able... him. And then, yeah, well, he did that. To, he did that to himself, and so Christ was pierced, and he gets disemboweled. So they're are both pierced, and yeah, he was, and he was a he was the Antichrist. Going back to even like the abortion thing with uh, the Peter Kreef quote, the abortion is kind of a, a awesome. Antichrist. Uh, alternative you know this is my body this is my body i'll do with it what i want this is my body which is broke for you and that's what christianity does we break our body for our enemies um they break their bodies for their own selfish ambition but judas was hung upon a tree jesus was hung upon a tree they're both hung upon a tree you know he was a satanic incarnation and he's hung upon a tree he gets cursed jesus hung upon a tree he's cursed but his cursing became a blessing judas is just an eternal curse so so that that's yeah so we're not revolutionaries if, yeah if you listen to anything like yeah then go out look after the orphan and the widow. I think our best bet is that element of like invite in pregnant women invite in abused yeah. women uh, look after the orphan and the widowed uh, my buddy Sean down in Meridian he just the neighbor lady was a meth head all this sort of stuff he just took in two two of their children and they end up Whoa. over about a year uh, adopted them and and it's a struggle because a kid was like you know has fetal uh, alcohol and he's just kind of a mess of a kid and trying to yeah. help him and there's a huge cost in doing that and I don't that's the thing I, I don't know if I have the patience to be like oh man I have to radically adjust my life to take in this this kid who's eight years old who's just kind of messed up and he's going to be messed up for a while and are yeah and and it it is I think physical and biological, like the alcohol has messed them up, oh, yeah. and and so you, you and so anyway, you, there's a huge cost, and and I think even that's even some of the pro life stuff, I th- even me campus preaching sometimes like there's a certain level like people are like oh wow so radical blah 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 It's like in some ways it's easy like even if I got beat you're just like all right so I got beat like what's the big deal like in a sense it's no big deal but like how do we invite people in and like build on that it's it, like it's kind of like easy to show up I preach get a crowd you interact blah blah, blah. people think it's great it's kind of like a hype thing um, but at the end of the day like we, how do you have a how do you grow people in the faith that it's bearing fruit 10, 15 years down the road. And I just think that, you know, the, the pro-life stuff doesn't... In general, I've not seen that fruit coming from it. I think we'd be better off allocating our resources into our local community like you guys are doing. What can we do here in Nampa of, you know, just draw a circle around this town. Yeah. Just be like, here, here, are the, here are the bunch of women who are pregnant who don't have fathers. What can we do? Sure. And allocating our resources there rather than to Operation Save America right. and, and and some dude making, you know, quarter million dollars being a pro-life leader and stuff yeah, like and that. you so. and
1: like you were saying, like, thinking... If you think, just like, you know, your buddy thinking you know, remarriage is going to solve all of our woes. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the woes are going to not be solved by some abortion legislation getting passed. And Dave and I have even had conversations of, okay, what, let's say we get this passed. What's the, what's the next hill? This is not it. Mm -hmm. It's a symptom, uh, which is why we want to always couple it with preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. because that's what's actually going to be changing the worship that's happening in our community and not just uh, thinking we're going to check this box and everything's going to be, mm dory mm-hmm.
0: yeah because all the all the things that are going on now like romans 1 it lays out uh, for though they knew god they neither glorified god nor gave thanks and so so yeah. something as simple as like we just like what's the chaos from we don't give thanks you know what i mean and i think of how unthankful i am to the lord so often because yep. you know whatever i think my life ought to be and yep. you know i'm a bushy white kid you know I, mean? like, or I guess adult now but uh i grew up a bushy white kid and here i am like live a pretty comfortable lifestyle and i can still grumble against the lord you know what i mean and, and so and all this stuff is really just you know we know god we did not honor him as god in order we give thanks and and that's the key thing it needs to be yeah just kind of re- reassessed and repushed yeah. and and what's the remedy to a fighting abortion are we thankful people and and i and that's that Simplicity some, some place oftentimes we want we want something bigger um like if i just preached more if i just preached harder if i just opposed to like oh if i was just thankful to the lord more yeah. uh if i was just more generous uh that like in those basic sort of ways so i, I think I, yeah if there if people are listening to this i would pushed in that direction of what do we do like yeah just Grab your. Here we are in talk County in Idaho. Draw a circle or line the perimeter and see you know where are the trailer parks, where are the people that need help, who are the people that are getting abortions, and then from there, can we practically help them and even make them more without excuse? Because like, I, I feel like again, if you're a poor person, you're like, I can't have enough kid. You know what I mean? Like, just can't do it. Um, all right, we're gonna take that off so you have no excuse and you actually bring greater judgment upon yourself if you do this. Um, I just think as a church, we yeah, we just need to assess the way we've ministered and I, I think we've been broadly unsuccessful so so yeah so from a rhetoric standpoint it is uh, and it's even shocking even from a rhetoric standpoint, uh, it's shocking to the unbeliever. When I tell them, no, go ahead and kill your children. Just the best thing you can do is kill your children. Like, and it's funny because when I'm on campus, and I said it, it's. It's suddenly like they're like they almost want to be pro-life. They're like, right. oh my goodness, like, my kid. <laughs> talking <know>. about my kid <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, you want us to kill our children? <laughs> then they're suddenly children too. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? And and they'll bring it up for the next two or three days on there. Yesterday he said we should kill our children. You know, what I mean? and uh, and so uh, and I think even there's that shock is kind of like, oh wow, he just leaned into our position. We want to be able to kill our children. He just leaned into it. Told us that, yo, one hundred percent, do it, do it, yeah. please. The best, thing, the best thing you can do for us, yeah. is to, if they're gonna be like you, is to kill them. Um, and so, yeah, those, those are the sorts of things I'd want us to you know, begin to think through. And yep. you know, I'm a street preacher, I i, I have no organizational skills. I, I've, I probably should take more responsibility, but I've always punted on organizing people. Like, yeah, I show up on campus, I preach, people are like, hey, can you, blah, 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 It's like, here, just go read a book, go hang with those people. Like, And I've traditionally punted on it, and it's probably a bad idea, maybe I should try to organize more and get people to, even here as I'm in Moscow more, is to get people to do those things. Because uh, we have, I mean, we're a rich church here in Moscow. We have 1,200 people with all sorts of resources and yeah. stuff like that. And I don't know what we're practically doing uh, in in the – I mean, we're surrounded by trailer parks in the broader community. You know, you know, you get out of Moscow, it's poor, poor white. And no one cares about poor whites. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right? If you, yeah, you yeah. go to you do city ministry, uh, you have yeah. plenty of that. But you don't, you don't got a lot of people caring about the poor whites. And so yeah. we got plenty of poor whites to help.
1: Well, no, it's an interesting, an interesting thought because – you know, there's plenty of times if I get a second with a woman outside of Planned Parenthood, I'd tell her, you know, we'll adopt your kid, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you could get into a context where, uh, you know, a trailer park community knew about that kind of resource, mm-hmm. could be could be helpful because you're basically just hoping in that split second they decide to make like this life-altering decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of of taking you up on that mm-hmm. rather than you know, yeah, something that might be uh, give them more a t- little more time to chew on it. So yeah, it's an interesting idea.
0: And I don't know tons, you know. Uh, again I haven't spent tons of time with it but the people I've spoken with who do abortion stuff that there is oftentimes like the, the people who I talk to it that, that is like a wrestling going in you know what I mean like, uh-huh. you, you have your yeah, women who yeah. you just want to murder and they boast yeah. the number they have but for a lot of women it is a wrestle going in it's not just like oh yeah you know what I mean like I, I get a parking ticket out here I'm like rip, I throw it up you know what I mean it's not like they're it's not like they're doing that when they go get an abortion they're, they're like oh they, they wrestle with it then from there they have all they do their conscience bears witness on the back side because yeah. um, even I was preaching up in Vermont uh, two years ago and it was just full of on my part because I'm arguing with this woman about abortion and the reality was she had an abortion so everything she's interacting with miss is she she knows what she did was wrong and right. she has to justify herself and I didn't preach the gospel with her I'm debating abortion with her and right. what she needed was look God loves you there's grace yeah. for you there's mercy for you yeah. she did not need an argument on abortion I spent it took me about an hour of interacting with her before I realized like I'm such a fool like what she needs is a gospel here yeah. she's killed her child and she now has to orient her life around justifying that act right. um and no one can bear that guilt in that way. And she probably will, you know, who knows how her life will turn out, but I can't imagine it turn out well. Cause she at a 19, we'll say she was 19, 20 years old. She, you could just see the guilt on yep. everything she was interacting with me with. And so, um, but the gospel can free her that, yeah, even though you killed your children, child, there's still freedom. And so anyway, even like that sort of thing, as we interact with abortion, um, Understanding even something like that, like when you're like, I wish my eyes would have been open earlier in the discussion. being like what she needs is genuine grace and gospel. That's yep. what this woman needs who has murdered her baby and she knows it and I'm debating abortion with her. It's just like, it's like, and I feel like I was doing the right thing. I wasn't doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just right. what lacked wisdom to be like, Oh, what, what she
1: needs is this. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, she could she do the other one all day. Mm-hmm. She's, she's going to, she's already smoothed over her conscience. She's got her rhetoric. She's going to stick to it. Yeah.
0: And, and she's going to, that suppressing of truth. She knows yeah. that if if this thing comes up, I'm yeah. done. You know what I mean? So she's sitting there. Whereas I, I do think that what's the best way to bring this up is, um, you know, yeah, kind of, Letting her know that Christ loves her. I do think, yeah. in, a, in, in those sorts of contexts, that like, yeah, the grace of God, the kindness of God, that's the thing that kind of stops the suppression more so than what I need to do is double down on the law and really let her know. she already knows. God. Yeah, she knows. She,
1: give her good news and mm-hmm. give her an opportunity to repent and believe yeah not live in that condemnation.
0: yeah so even as we do uh, as we do ministry to in, in those contexts, I think we should think even like the very practical of that sort of thing am I allowing this political because it you know it, it immediately turns into a realm of political rather than religious you know what I mean it's not seen as uh, you know we're, we might be seen as Christians it might be a Christian issue in many people's minds um, but it's largely political in their head and not necessarily an issue of forgiveness and grace and mercy and that'd be the other thing I want to maintain in the discussion is that like yeah we're not just trumpeting uh, you know, a political—you know what I mean—the distinction sure. between like a political cause, and obviously, yeah, Jesus is Lord. That's a political statement. I'm all for all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but having the distinction. Yeah, and so when you're acting, interact with an individual yeah. there, that they are actually hearing a gospel from you—a good news that God justifies the wicked, um, or are they just hearing, you know, just kind of like we're self-righteous standing over here, you're on the other half, and you know, there's no, there's no real gospel um, being manifest. So. Yeah. Anything to close?
2: Keith, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, you morning. bet. See Any you other questions, count. comments,
0: demands, reviews, exhortations before we finish? All of them. All right. Well, go to campuspreacher.com. It's a ghetto website. Uh, <laughs> if you, you – know, I've been I've been doing a podcast for a couple of years. I've been telling everybody Keith at Campus Preacher. Apparently that email does not work. So if you've tried emailing me, Keith at Campus Preacher, I haven't gotten it. So KeithDarrell at Gmail uh, will work. So if you want to contact me, feel free to contact me, KeithDarrell, D-A-R-R-E-L-L at Gmail.com.
2: Uh, I've been mispronouncing your last name this entire time. You Dural.
0: Ah, you're from the south. It's, yeah. I, I understood it, yeah. yeah.
2: Anyway, until next time, go with God.